Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. You're listening to The Seminarian Show. My name is Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown. With me today is Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, you have given us all our vocations, and you lead us all to go out into the world to share the good news. Help us to always be faithful to this call throughout our daily lives. Let us pray together the words that our Lord taught us. Our Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we're taking up a theme that we had on our previous show, which is apostolic works. Pope John Paul II wrote that Apostolic works or pastoral work is really the focus of seminary formation. He said in his letter, I will give you shepherds, the formation of seminarians in its different aspects must have a fundamentally pastoral character. So today, Jacob, we're going to hear a little bit more about your pastoral work and your apostolic works as a seminarian, you are from Columbus, you're studying to be a priest in Columbus, and all of your works have been here in Columbus. That's correct. Up to this point. Um, so, you're going out of the seminary to do these works, so we understand that much. You know, apostolic works are things we're sent to do, ways right. that we're sent out into the world. Right. You gave us a beautiful etymology on that one <laughs> last show, so thank you, Brian. And... These works often take you to parishes. In your case, um, you've been to one parish in the area so far for these apostolic works during the school year. Right, during the school year. Mm -hmm. Um, You were at St. Brendan's, right? That's right. What were you doing there? Um, So two years ago, um, during the school year, on Sunday evenings, I would go to St. Brendan the Navigator Parish in Hilliard, Ohio, and um, I would teach... Uh, confirmation preparation classes for the eighth graders who were enrolled in public schools or weren't part of the uh, yes. parish school right there. So we would have um, a lesson for a little bit over an hour each evening. Um, it was right before the uh, 5.30 mass, so a lot of the kids would come and then meet up with their families afterwards and go oh, to the good. 5.30 Sunday evening mass. Um, so we would have, I would create lessons. They had um, a program that they used, so I would oftentimes use the video lessons from that program mm-hmm. or supplement it with things that I'd learned in the classroom or other books that I had read. Good. Um, something like that. So you had a foundation to work with, but you were also contributing a lot of your own ideas right. to the different classes that you were giving. Mm-hmm. Had you taught much before that? Um, I had one other teaching assignment. Um, there is a homeschooling co-op that meets on Thursdays um, at Holy Family Parish, okay. um, just west of downtown. Um 
So I was tasked with, uh, and two other seminarians, we were teaching the high school group. Um, all of the ages were split up between high school, middle school, and grade school. So we had, I believe, eight or nine high schoolers. Um, and that year, the theme was patristics. So every Thursday, we'd have to prepare a new presentation on one of the fathers of the church, mm. um, his life, why we still read him, right. why do we still care about what he said, mm-hmm. you know, 1,500 years later today, right. or, you know, in the case of some of the early church fathers like St. Clement, mm-hmm. 1,900 years later. Right. Um, yeah, the so, tr- tradition of our church is so rich. <laughs> exactly. So presenting those, um, seeing kind of the foundations for um, so much of what we believe today. Like you can look back in the letters of St. Clement, um, who wrote around the year 100, and already see these foundations of apostolic succession, how we get mm-hmm. bishops today, or um, the primacy of the Pope amongst the College of Bishops, things like that. So they've been things that the church has taught and believed for her entire existence. Mm-hmm. And how good to be able to share that with the young people that you you know had as students that year. Right. And it was, it was a great opportunity for me not only to share that um, in a classroom setting, but also to learn it myself. Right. Um, part of the preparations of that week were reading through some of the writings of St. Clement that I don't know about you, but I had not had mm. much experience reading or delving into mm-hmm. the church fathers before then. So it was, it was really educational for myself too. And then being able to translate, okay, here's some long letter that St. Clement wrote. We're not going to read that whole thing in class. <laughs> um, they're high schoolers. Um, they probably don't want to read that. I don't want to read the whole thing with them to be totally honest. <laughs> um, so what are the important parts? How do we translate this into something that, care about essentially yeah it sounds like you really were taking on the role of a teacher there you mm-hmm. know, doing your prep work and distilling what you found out in all of your preparation work into the most important points that you could share with your students right and we would also do um, kind of thematic presentations throughout the years like at the beginning of advent talking about the advent season mm. or at the beginning of lent talking about the lenten season or other little um, sort of liturgical things or maybe saints that came up in the calendar that week mm-hmm. um we have all these, the church fathers, saints from the past, um, looking now towards maybe more modern saints or even building connections of, okay, you know, these saints from the 1800s, they were reading the church fathers too. Right. And this is how they mm-hmm. lived that out in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you see like, a lot of the French martyrs after the French Revolution. Um, and then you see this explosion in Catholicism after mm-hmm. and that after the revolution, that first part of the 18th century. Well, that's exactly what Tertullian wrote um, in the 5th century when he said, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in those times of persecution that the Holy Spirit's working the most, or maybe we feel it the most, um, feel him the most in the world. And so that builds up the faith. So, so much of what we teach now in our catechism classes and our confirmation classes has been around for a very long time in the history of the church. So it's, it's beautiful to to discover that, make those connections and then to help other people appreciate that. Yeah. So you, you grew into your role as a teacher in those regards through homeschooling and at St. Brendan's. Um, and then you had some other apostolics. So we're looking over like five years of you being a seminarian Mm -hmm. and you had one year in a parish, (laughs) That's right. And then the rest of them, you were, as you mentioned, maybe meeting with homeschool groups, and then you were doing a variety of other things, which we'll hear about in a minute. But one question that comes to mind is, you know, if you're studying to be a parish priest, you're studying to be a pastor, 
why would you have so many assignments that aren't even based at a parish church? What's the point? What's the benefit of those types of assignments for a seminarian like you? So I think the benefit to that is twofold. First is kind of honing those sorts of skills that a priest will use when he's at the parish. Um, Preaching, um, you need to have the heart of a teacher. You need to know how your students are listening. You need to know what's going to resonate with Mm -hmm. them. How to unpack the readings, the mass, so that way they're accessible to people. There's something they can take with them. um, So that way it it changes their lives, because that's what we're supposed to be doing in our preaching, Mm -hmm. what the mass does. Um, So honing those sorts of skills. Um, Another apostolic that I had was um, doing hospital ministry. So um, being present with um, the sick, listening to them, praying with them, um, bringing them uh, the Eucharist. We would do communion calls at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are things that, you know, people are going to make appointments with the priest at the parish. They're going to come. So these are going to be things he needs to be able to respond to right away, kind of connaturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, the second point of not having all of my assignments be at parishes is the priest is supposed to be an apostle. He's sent. right? Um, so he's sent out into the community, the parish, isn't just the physical structure, mm-hmm. the land that the church and the rectory and the parish offices and maybe the meeting hall mm-hmm. um, are on. The parish is the wider community um, mm-hmm. that he's supposed to serve. So it includes the hospital. Mm-hmm. It includes um, the nursing homes. Anywhere that people are gathering for prayer, that's part of the parish. The parish is first and foremost the people, not just the building. Mm-hmm. So getting that experience of going out and being with the people, even when they're not at the parish, um, is kind of integral to building up that priest's identity because that's what the priest is going to be doing, um, going here and there to meet people. Mm-hmm. And you're focusing especially on you know, sharing Christ with them wherever they find themselves. That's right. And you know, people aren't always going to be knocking on your door saying, you know, Right. Sometimes you need to knock on their doors. Tell me something. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. You have to go out and find them and, um, you know, recognize the way Christ most, you know, needs to be known in Mm -hmm. the midst of what is going on in their lives right now. Right. And Christ is always present in his people, Mm -hmm. even when they're not in church. Right. So the priest should be present to his people. Yeah, it's a very good point. Even Mm -hmm. when they're not in the church. Mm -hmm. The Catholic life, the Christian life, is not just that hour on Sunday morning. It's 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, We always have access to the Father's ear. We always have access to grace. We're supposed to be responding to that, hopefully, with every moment. So the priest um, should make himself available, at least, for all of those moments to be able to respond, okay, I need to go to the hospital right now. There's Mm -hmm. a patient who's um, going in for surgery. They need anointing. Someone's dying. Mm -hmm. Or maybe um, someone just had a baby, and they... They want to baptize right away or they just want me there to to give a blessing or, or be there with this um, joyful birth. Yeah, if you're going to be preaching on a weekend saying, you know, this Mass is not just the only time that everyone here is called to give time to Christ. It's not the only place where we're called to be Catholics. You know, the priest tested that out in a very special and really clear way for the people. You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. My name is Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and I'm here with Jacob Stinnett from the Diocese of Columbus, and we're talking about apostolic works. 
um, the assignments that we seminarians receive during our studies where we get out of the four walls of the seminary and learn and contribute to the life of the greater church. So, Jacob, you've told us about many of your assignments already. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't heard about all of them, though. So what are the the other years? We've heard about teaching, you know, homeschooling, confirmation. We've heard that you were at hospital ministry, too. But maybe there there are two other years that towards the beginning of your formation, you, know, you had different assignments. So That's right. What can you tell us about those? So the overall program for um, pastoral assignments that the seminary has is kind of it's kind of like a funnel leading you towards more and more that um, that priestly ministry. Right. So before you can do that, before you can become a good priest, you have to become a good Christian, a mm-hmm. good human being in general. So your first few assignments are going to be more geared towards building you up as a human, as a Christian, before building you up as a priest, because those are foundational for priesthood. So my first two years in seminary, um, my first assignment was um, with the Catholic Social Services, um, their Friendly Visiting Program. Um, so this was was kind of a simple assignment. Um, we did we weren't making communion calls. We mm-hmm. weren't um, visiting patients in the hospital. Um, myself and another seminarian, we were assigned um, just to go and visit with um, an elderly woman. Her name mm-hmm. was Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would go and um, sit and talk with her for a couple hours every week mm-hmm. um, just to combat... Uh, senior isolation, Mm. um, and also recognize um, the beauty of the elderly, what all they can offer us Mm -hmm. um, with their words of wisdom, um, with their kindness. Um, So it wasn't an intense assignment, I would say. Um, It didn't take really any preparation work. Um, We would just call ahead of time, make sure uh, Annabelle was uh, available that Mm -hmm. day. She didn't have an appointment or wasn't out with friends or something. Um, And then we would go over and sit and talk. Um, and she was always very excited uh, when we would come. She would often have lemonade and mm. cookies or, or something for us, nice. um, which always enticed us to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are two things that come to mind when you tell me about that assignment specifically. One is this idea that um, a ministry of presence is often one of the most important parts of um, you know being a Christian and going out and yes. sharing the gospel, just kind of being there for people and sharing in the moment with them. So you you were doing that throughout that year, it sounds like. And then something else that came to mind was that this is something that people say, especially about missions, but I think that ties into apostolic works because with missions and with apostolic works, we're being sent out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's common for people who have, you know, done a weekend or a week long mission experience to come back and, kind of realized that they went to share so much, but they realized that they also kind of gained so much from that week of mission that they had. So it sounds like you had something similar with Annabelle. You know, you were going to share time with her, conversation and show an interest in her life, but she was also not only giving you lemonade, (laughs) but she was teaching you things, whether she was trying to or not through her example and through the wisdom that she was able to share. Maybe Mm -hmm. (laughs) even Mm -hmm. you were also learning and growing from this experience. Right, exactly. Um, which leaves us with one more year. You know, you had one... Right, so that was my first year. Your second year, I guess. My second year, um, I was on a team with a team of seminarians, 
and we were helping with um, Special Olympics. Um, so we would go um, to their training sessions um, and help facilitate the the training, um, be present with uh, the athletes, and just kind of learn to appreciate people with disabilities. Um, so our first in the the first semester, of the fall, um, we were helping with swimming. So on Thursday nights when they had their swim practices, we would go um, get in the water with them, sometimes swim next to them, help huh. them swim. Um, oftentimes, the biggest thing was just encouraging them, Yes. Um, telling, telling them that they're doing a good job. And some of them were stellar athletes. I mean, oh, it was really wow. impressive. <laughs> um, and others, this was how they got out and socialized that week. Um, mm. All of them looked forward to doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was... It was good for them for the exercise and almost even more so for the socializing. Sure. Um, so often in society, you know, people with disabilities, there's kind of a, a stigma against them. We kind of, we look at them differently. Um, Part of just our society being what it is now, really focusing on like, what can you do. Right. Um, and we're really missing, you know, kind of the more fundamental yeah. importance of the dignity of every person. Yeah, who they are as a child of God. As opposed to, you know, just what they can contribute to my life or to life of society in general. Right. So the so Special Olympics provides an atmosphere, a forum for them to be appreciated, to show off their skills, mm. um, and to um, just have a good experience. Uh, good. So that was really great. So we did swimming in the fall. We did track and field in the spring. Um, and some of those guys can run. Like I was having a hard time keeping up with some of them as we were going mm. Um, and again, others, they just need that encouragement because so often, um, people with disabilities aren't encouraged Mm. to perform well. Um, they aren't pushed. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of them want that or need that. Mm -hmm. Um, so being in an environment where that's what we're doing, um, was beneficial for me to see them as persons first and foremost, um, before, persons with disabilities, they're right. persons. Right. Um, but also to be aware of how much encouragement, how much love they need, um, and how much love they deserve. That's too. It's amazing how an initial vote of confidence can be a self-fulfilling prophecy in many times, you know, yeah. just to, to, to show someone that you believe that they, they can do something can go a long way to help them actually do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Very good. So you've had a a great variety of experiences and been able to meet people who you might not otherwise have met in many cases and not just meet them, but accompany them and share with them, you know, parts of their life. Yeah. Build up a relationship with them, Mm -hmm. which is a really important part of pastoral and apostolic ministry. Not just, I guess we're going back to a similar idea that we were just talking about, not just focusing on doing something, but really focusing on building relationships. Um, so we've heard about all those different assignments you had as you look back on them and think about the areas that you've grown, are there any areas that you would especially zone in on? Like what were some of the most important growth points for you over those five years and those different experiences? Right. I think there are probably three different areas that growth has been the biggest, at least that I've seen in myself. The first is learning how to listen. Mm. Um, so much of ministry, as you mentioned earlier, is ministry of presence, of being there with people. Um, 
learning how to listen to what they're saying, mm-hmm. um, maybe to what they're not saying, but right. are Being still attentive. communicating. Right. Um, and then responding in a loving way. Um, I think the, the second thing um, is learning to let Christ work through me. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of these situations that we get thrown into, um, even in our apostolic works, but especially in our ministry as priests, um, we're not going to have time to prepare and mentally walk through every aspect of it. Um, right. We but need to, we need to think on our feet. Exactly. Um, and a lot of that is kind of st- taking a step back from ourselves and saying, I'm not the one who's transforming this person's life mm-hmm. or even just kind of starting to reorient this person's life. It's Christ who's doing that. So having um, the recognition of his presence, mm-hmm. having the humility to say, this isn't me. I'm not going to be the one doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I learned that most working um, with hospital ministry. Mm. Um, You're faced with a lot of situations that you don't have the luxury of time to prepare for. Right. Um, and people who, you know, are, you need to respond in the moment to what's going on. Exactly. And in the hospital, I'm not a professional and I have no mm, medical training. True, yeah. um, I can't bring them a lot of the things that they need. So I'm there to kind of um, pray with them. Right. Um, to open the door for spiritual healing, for them to recognize um, that Christ is still present with them, mm-hmm. even in their suffering, in their illness, in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bringing them Holy Communion um, and later entrusting them to God that he'll continue to use this pain, this evil um, of right. sickness for good in their lives. Mm-hmm. And you really just want to step back and let them see through you right. how Christ is trying to really make himself known and how the peace of God you know, is coming to them at that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have, to, you have to be able to step back from yourself a little bit. Right. I think the third thing that I've learned is just to appreciate um, other people, um, both the professionals in the field, mm-hmm. um, in the hospital, the doctors, but also um, the hospital chaplains, uh, learning from them. Um, Father Mathewson, who was who's the chaplain at mm-hmm. Ohio State Hospital, that's what he does all the time. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. um, and he's very good at his job. So learning from him, kind of seeing, okay, this is how, this is how it's done, um, is great. And also learning from and appreciating um, the people that you're ministering to. Mm-hmm. Um, as we talked about a few moments ago with Special Olympics, just kind of appreciating everyone as um, a child of God, as a person with that inherent dignity, um, and and not kind of getting lost in accidental things or maybe limitations that they have, seeing how they're responding to God, how all people respond to God in some way, um, and then trying to find a way to let God in even more so that way they can grow and love God um, all the more. That openness to, you know, the lessons other people can give us and the ways that they can, you know, let God teach us through them is not just an important disposition, I think, for apostolic works, but really, you know, throughout life, trying to be attentive to the ways that, you know, God is trying to, come into our lives more and more especially in our interactions with other people um so thank you for sharing all those 
years of experience with us. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah. I trust that they will serve you very much in the future. And there's one other way, I think, looking towards the future that these apostolic assignments are also preparing you to be a priest. And um, that's to prepare for the obedience that you will have to your bishop in the future. So how do you see that especially playing out in these assignments and maybe also in those summer assignments that you get for two months, you know, between school years? How are they preparing you for the obedience that you'll be showing in the future? Sure. So you mentioned the summer assignments. Um, So I've been at different parishes um, during the summer when we're not in school. Um, One of those ways that that prepares us for obedience is just the nature of the assignment. Um, In spring, usually right after Easter, we'll get an email um, from our vocations director that comes from Bishop, um, Mm -hmm. in the past Bishop Campbell, now Bishop Brennan, Mm -hmm. and it tells you what your assignment is. It says, you will be at this parish, here's the pastor, here's the phone number, Mm -hmm. give them a call, we expect you to be there, you know, by the end of May, and you're assigned for 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of just in the form, like your first few assignments as a priest. You're going to get a letter in the mail Mm -hmm. from Bishop that says, hey, you're going here, Mm -hmm. starts this date, here Mm -hmm. you go. Um, So it's... uh, you're not really consulted all that much. You're not said, you're not asked, do you want to do this? It's, right. here's what you're doing. Okay, I will go do this. So you're already cultivating that flexibility, that openness, and um, versatility, really, just to adapt to whatever situation you find yourself in. Right. That's really good. Um, thank you for those insights that you shared with us today, Jacob. Um, and... You know, as you continue your, your seminary formation, we hope that the the experiences you continue to have between now and in your ordination eventually will just continue to draw you more and more into that relationship between Christ and his people, and you find yourself more and more close to him and also really open to the way that he's sharing himself with the people in your life. Amen. Yeah. So, thank you for listening today to The Seminarian Show. I'm Brian Smith from the Diocese of Youngstown, and we've been hearing about the apostolic work experience of Jacob Stinnett of the Diocese of Columbus. Let us finish with prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Holy Mother of God, you knew especially how to receive the mission from God from the angel Gabriel, to be the mother of his son. And you responded wholeheartedly with your yes. We turn to you now as we say, Hail Mary, full full of grace, the Lord Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.